It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. The weekend. Six the time. It's a Tuesday. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Nice weather the next few days, according to Don Day. If you're listening to that, he'll have an extended forecast. 645. We'll let you know all about that. The nice weather doesn't stay forever, though. But I am glad for it in this sense. Well, for a lot of reasons. But we're doing this toy drive that we do every single year, Stuff the Van, which we collect toys for needy uh, families that just couldn't give their kids a Christmas otherwise. And they put us out in front of a Walmart. So my shift is from like 11 till 3 for six days. I get off here and I go to this Walmart. And I stand out, well, in this little trailer booth sometimes. We do have a heater in there and so on. But some years it's been like a blizzard out there. This year, okay, so it was like uh, 45 or so degrees yesterday. Not too windy, really. That actually felt really nice and toasty compared to past years. So I don't mind this nice stretch of what we would consider mild weather. It's not going to stay that way forever. We'll keep you up to date on it. All right. Sometimes the best way to teach a lesson is just to let people do it and make their mistakes. I'll explain what's happening. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So back when the whole defund the police movement thing started, which, you know, a lot of us were saying, you got to be kidding me. You're going to try to defund the police. Why would you even do that? But that's what they want to do, defund the police, find some different way of handling all of this. Because, you know, police brutality and all of that is leading to all of this more crime. And you know, of course, what happened in those cities, crime surged through the roof. Now, that was a, a wonderful I told you so moment. And that was one that if you're like me, I was wondering, why did they even try? Did they not, Did these people who tried the whole defund the police thing not know where it was going to go? And then to show such disrespect for police caused also a lot more police officers just to quit and leave. Besides the one that they laid off anyway. So, of course, you know what happened to crime in those cities. Now, there's been several places, uh, local races around the country. uh, Democrats trying to run for a primary for, like, mayor uh, and other said governor, things like that. I'll get into one of the races here in just a minute. And some Democrats are winning because they changed their tune. There's an old saying that a conservative is just a liberal who got mugged. Well, these cities got mugged. And so now in order to win elections, Democrats are changing their tunes. Now, one of several examples I can give you. Oregon, governor's plan to revive Portland. More cops... 
and outlaw drug use. So, in other words, we're going from defund the police to... Go ahead. Make my day. Yeah, I'll be playing that more than once today. So, okay. Portland, the story says, has been a disaster for several years. The city was the scene of uh, some of the most violent and eventually deadly protests of 2020. It partially defunded the police and did away with a police unit force to stop violence. And in November of 2020, the state of Oregon took another wrong turn, it says, when it passed a Measure 110, which decriminalized the use of hard drugs. Bad decisions, disasters, of course. The decision to defund the police resulted in skyrocketing violent crime. Now, again, you and I look at it and go, well, duh. Well, of course it did. Even when Portland's hapless mayor tried to reverse course and rehire, they couldn't find people willing to take the job. Well, yeah, not just for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was the total disrespect shown to police officers as well. A lot of police officers just quit and said, I'm not going back. Screw this. All right, well, meanwhile, the decriminalization of hard drugs also created new problems, including a rise in overdose and even more problems with drugged out homeless people on the streets. Even the homeless drug addicts were giving the city mixed reviews. Quote, Portland is a homeless drug addict's slice of paradise, according to Noah, who's living with his girlfriend in a bright orange tent on the sidewalk against a fence of a church where they shoot up and smoke fentanyl and meth. No, we're just completely destroying their lives. He ticked off the advantages. He can do drugs whenever he wants, and the cops no longer harass him. And there are more dealers accounting for fresh customers moving into that paradise. That means drugs are plentiful, and because of supply and demand, Drugs are also cheap. Downside, living in a tent, no paradise, he said, especially when folks in nearby tents uh, high on meth hit him with baseball bats. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. <clears throat> no, you don't want some messed out neighbor hitting you with a baseball bat. That's, that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that kind of sucks, doesn't it? All right, well. So the story says it gradually dawned on the geniuses in charge of the city and state to take, they took some wrong turns back in 2020, and they need to dig themselves out of this, change things, get back to reality. So back in August, Governor Tina Kotek of Oregon announced she was forming a task force designed to help revive the city of Portland by carefully studying the problem and making recommendations. So, well, see, that's typical of many politicians and bureaucrats. So what do we do to solve this problem? We have meetings. Oh, that'll fix that. So the governor announced Wednesday she's launching a task force focused on bolstering economic future of the city. Okay, and the move comes, uh, there's an urban core there, the nation's slowest to recover in the aftermath of the whole pandemic thing, it says here. So under a plan brokered by the governor, a Democrat, state lawmakers would be asked to consider a ban on public drug use and police would be given greater resources to deter the distribution of drugs. Oh, you mean like what we were talking about when they said they were going to go down this path? Now, I can keep reading what's happening here in this. That's one place. Uh, There's other uh, places as well, other races around the country 
uh, cities and so on. Sheila Jackson Lee, who is a, uh, she's a senator, right, uh, running for mayor of her home city, has lost in the primary for that. Now, she can still remain a congresswoman, but I think she's, con- no, I think she's House of Representatives. But anyway, she can still remain in that seat. She doesn't. She can run for mayor and still, you know, be a member of Congress at the same time. Just she'll just switch jobs. She lost the primary because the Democrat running against her tough on crime. He wants to bring police back. He wants to get drugs off the streets, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, all the things that the Democrats said were bad to do, and you and I were looking at him, going, "What the hell are you doing? Getting rid of the cops and..." You got to put an end to that. You can't allow this kind of behavior. You got to stop. But they thought that they had a better idea. And this goes back to what I said when I started all this, which was, you know, um, you meet the, your basic conservative. In many cases, that's just a liberal who got mugged. In this case, these cities, they brought, that, uh, they brought it on themselves. Oh, they're not wearing MAGA hats. They're not going to vote for Trump. But they've changed their tune on something, and they changed their tune on it because, well, after getting rid of the police and allowing hard drugs into their city, they literally, I don't mean figuratively, they literally got mugged, some of them multiple times, and they've had enough. And so they want to bring back tough police action like they had it before to try to straighten some people up. Go ahead. Make my day. Old Joe's got to play it more than once. Let's wake up Wyoming. It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. 6 white choose the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It's okay. A couple of the comments I'm getting here. If you're just joining me, I was pointing out that there's a race for governor where the governor of this state wants to to bring back the police and get tough on drugs because this state organ had done the opposite of that. Then uh, there were some mayoral races around the country. Same thing. Democrats had gotten rid of the, you know, defund the police movement, soft on drugs, a lot of times just allowing for the use of hard drugs right there on the street. And, of course, you saw the chaos and the crime that it caused. And liberals quite literally have just gotten tired of being mugged literally over and over again and so now for democrats to win they have to be tough on crime so jay in casper but leftist democrats will be voted in again because they're incapable of learning unlike steve Irwin, who unfortunately found that getting too close to potential danger turns out badly and my answer uh, for jay there jay i think you're right for the most part there are those people who never learn and they keep making the same mistake over and over again. There are some people who do learn, and again, while they're not going to necessarily put on a MAGA hat and vote Republican, on the other hand, it's more than that they were just physically mugged or had some property stolen. Their businesses were destroyed. So it got so bad for them, they had to make a different decision. So I think in some cases, uh, yeah, there are people who just don't learn no matter what. There's other people who realize that if they're going to survive, they have no choice but to start making different decisions. So I think it depends on who you're talking about. Milo and Ford Danger, they say they want to make the changes, but they won't. It's all a ploy to get elected. Now, Milo's 
not totally right, not totally wrong either. There are some politicians who really will try to make the changes. That doesn't mean they'll be successful at it. Well, in many cases, politicians step into office fully intending to do what they said, and then they find out once they get into office, they're, they, they run into the other politicians and the bureaucracy. And they can't get done what they want to get done. And then there's those other politicians that just lie. You know, just flat out lie. Say whatever it takes to get into office. Doesn't matter. They'll just lie to get in. So it depends on who exactly we're talking about here. Now, let's go to the Senate real quick. Remember Fetterman? This is the guy who had serious brain damage before his strokes. Then he had some strokes, which really messed him up. And then he ran for Congress as a Democrat. Now he's getting Democrats mad. He actually is wearing a suit to Congress now. They made him do that. Headline here says, Fetterman says, if we want peace, Israel needs to be able to destroy Hamas. (gasps) You can't say that. You're a Democrat. Yeah, and not something like that you would expect to hear from this guy. Now, I don't know if he's actually saying this because uh, I, I think he probably does believe it. Yeah. And again, I don't expect him to have a whole lot of marbles up there to work with in the first place. It's like this. Who do you get to run for Senate? I think it's time that we had um, kind of a difficult conversation with you. You know how much we love you, right? Right. And I love you, too. And we only want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's becoming more and more clear to us that we can't take care of you the way that you need to be taken care of. Why are you talking like that? I'm fine. You're getting older. You get confused. You forget where you are. You fall down. You need to go someplace where they can take care of you. Where people your age go. We think it's time for you to r- run for U.S. Senate. No! How can you do this to me? I still have a lot of good years left. Yeah, well, that's where we go. Send grandma and grandpa to retire. We just send them to the U.S. Senate. Okay. So, uh, Fetterman, the story that I have in front of me here says, Senator John Fetterman, Democrat, Pennsylvania, has emerged as one of the most reliable supporters of the Jewish community in his hometown, which is located a handful of miles from where the deadliest massacre of Jews happened in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh uh, about uh, five years ago. Uh, the support is changing how many uh, in the Senate see him. Now, I, I don't really think that's the case, but all right. David Knoll, a Pittsburgh-based businessman and Democrat who launched a last-minute uh, challenge to a local councilwoman over her social media posts supporting anti-Semitism, said... Fetterman has been better than anyone could have hoped and honestly did not see that coming, that uh, he would actually support the guy wholeheartedly. Now, again, I think that's overstating it. I don't think Fetterman's that good. But, yeah, I did old saying, a stop clock is right twice a day. <clears throat> so in this case, I think, from my point of view, Fetterman finally said something that was right. There's absolutely no way that we're going to have peace, really, Israel can have peace until they finally just get rid of Hamas. Even then, that's not going to totally solve the problem. It never will. There's always going to be somebody, somebody who wants to just push Israel into the sea, wipe it out completely. But at least it won't be Hamas if they get rid of that. So that's one less to worry about. 
for once Fetterman was right about something. And he didn't say it while wearing a, a hoodie and short sweatpants. I, that's the part that got to me. I actually had a tie on when he said it. I'm a little confused by that. I had to make sure it was the same guy. Coming up on some local news after local news update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it again. Let's wake up Wyoming. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Sixer time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Self from Cowboy State Daily. Wyoming's Trona Mines prepare for fight over BLM's Rock Springs management plan. Uh, here we go again with bureaucrats. It says Sweetwater County Trona Mines are among the mining sectors troubled by the Bureau of Land Management proposed Rock Springs Resource Management Plan. And they're getting ready to fight about it. So in the draft comments provided to Cowboy State Daily, the Wyoming Mining Association writes that it's concerned it's sending those concerns to the BLM about a proposal for, in, well, they want to ensure that they're ready to fight future litig- litigation here. Quote, we're looking at expansion of projects out there to develop Trona resources and some of the things that membership of the Toronto operations have identified are going to make it very difficult really to do business under these new plans. Uh, Toronto is used for so many different things, too. It's one of those things where if, if somebody were to say, quit mining that stuff, do you understand how many things we use that stuff for? But okay. Uh, so we've taken this very seriously, he says, and hopefully we can continue to develop resources and provide tax revenue and jobs and et cetera, et cetera. Wyoming Representative Harriet Hegeman on a recent podcast told Cowboy State Daily BLM's Rock Spring management proposal as, well, they, she called it devastating to the Trona industry. Quote, the resource management plan, as we all know, as recently announced by the BLM, uh, affects 3.6 million acres of southwestern Wyoming. And it's going to be absolutely devastating to our industries, to our Trona industry. Let's see now. Let's just for the fun of it here. Well, once again, here's bureaucrats getting involved in our industries. Let's see. What do we... I'm looking up what we use Trona for here. Okay. A lot of things. Soda ash, really, is used to make glass, paper products, laundry detergents, many other products as well. That's just a few. Yeah, um, the mineral we eat nearly every day, really. It's a water-soluble mineral found in many foods. Huh? I didn't know that was something that we put it in, in foods as well. It's, ty- it's a type of volcanic ash. I do know that, but okay. Here's a story I found. Did you know that every time you bite into a cookie, a pretzel, or a sandwich, or other baked goods, you're eating rock? 
Well, many, it may not look like rock, but it's a main ingredient in baked goods and breads and cakes. You may not be eating an actual rock, but you are eating a mineral that's found in the rock. Most people know trona as a mineral used in baking soda, but trona, which is primarily the source of sodium carbonate, is used for so much more than leavening bread. Half of the world's trona consumption comes from glass making while the chemical industry uses a quarter of the remaining amount right and a, a huge amount of that provided here in america comes from wyoming uh, trona is an arabic word meaning basically it means native salt it's a water soluble mineral found mainly in the united states in fact the world's largest trona deposit is located in green river area of wyoming where 15,000-square-mile lake once covered the land more than 50 million years ago. And what changed that? Climate change, of course. Yeah, just natural climate change. It's not a lake anymore. So while the water evaporated, left behind about 100 billion tons of trona deposits between layers of sandstone and shale that will supply the world's trona needs for thousands of years. Other uh, noticeable deposits, California, Botswana, Egypt, Kenya... Uh, Namibia, Turkey, China. Trona is mined underground through room and pillar method. Uh, mining brought, brings it to the surface. Okay, and then it, it talks about how they then make it into so many different things that we use every single day. All right. So I knew that that was something that we used in all sorts of different things and found mainly here in Wyoming. Again, Green River, Wyoming has the largest deposit of the thing on the planet. So here comes the BLM once again with more rules that threaten going after something that is in demand worldwide, not just here in the United States, not just here in Wyoming or the United States, but worldwide. People want to buy this stuff from us, and we have not just good quantity of it, that, again, can last that's thousands of, at least a thousand years worth of mining, they estimate. It's a good long time. By then, if, even if we run out of this here in about a thousand years, we could have come up with something else to use, even make it artificially. But there it is. And we can go ahead and just mine it and sell it, and people want to buy it and use it, and we use it in so many things. Until the Bureau of Land Management comes along and says, you can't do that anymore. Not in those areas. Not It's not a total stop on mining, but it would have a major impact in the industries. 6.42 is the time. Wake up. Council. Download the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Listen anywhere and chat live with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 6.48 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, so Frank... Um, it turns out, according to a study, and you yeah. know, there's not enough studies out there. Why, why do we keep getting those emails yeah, of studies? I don't know, but uh, why declining invitation to holiday parties is actually good for you. I didn't need a study to tell me No, that. no, no. I mean, you should be able to choose yeah. on your own sure. if you're going to go. Or even a better one is kind of like make a cameo. Yes. So, so sure. that you're there yes, and people have seen yeah. you're there, but you don't have to stay there. In, in fact, I was watching, it was a really great documentary on Dean Martin. And there was, it was very typical. There would be a party at his house, let's say for his birthday. Yeah. And you can imagine the celebrities that oh. show up and how many people. Yeah. And he would walk through the room politely saying hello to everybody. Yeah. 
And then at some point, people would ask, where did Dean go? And at one point, some guy went upstairs to try to find an unoccupied toilet. And he walks by the bedroom, and there's Dean Martin sitting in his bedroom watching television. (laughs) (laughs) And that was very typical of him. He just didn't want to hang out. Afterwards, he was just kind of done. So this thing says... Saying no to a holiday party you simply have no interest in could be the best thing for your mental health. You think? Who writes this stuff? I don't know. I mean, I mean, we, okay, I mean, we really yeah. got to get get by. We need oh, more shit, teeth yeah. into these studies. Some of these. I think what we have here is uh, people. Too many people have been hired to write up studies, and so they've run out of things to write about a long time ago. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, and so they just come up with this kind of... In fact, this website, I'm going to click on the main page link here. It's called Study Finds, Research and oh. Reviews in a Nutshell. Oh, One-stop shopping for studies. Okay. Uh, and as a poll, average American should be able to afford a dream home by age 33 and retire right. by 44. Sure. More Americans trust artificial intelligence and social media over their own doctor's opinion. Right. Okay. That last one, I actually, I, I'm not entirely thinking is wrong. I mean, when you get done seeing your doctor, do you go home and Google it to see if he's a, just a jerk and a loser? Uh, yeah. Well, I yeah, don't think yeah. I want somebody like Max Headroom to give me Probably you know, an exam. Probably not. You know? you know something? I think you've just done something. From now on. Whenever I picture artificial intelligence, I'm going to picture Max Headroom. That's what I think. It's a lot better than picturing uh, the AI from 2001 A Space Odyssey. (laughs) Indeedy. The National Finals Rodeo moved along last night in Las Vegas with the fourth round. In the Saddle Bronc, Hillsdale native and Cheyenne East High School grad Brody Crest with an 86.5. And that put him third in the round, earned $18,325. Crest is first in the average of the NFR and seventh in the world standard. Tanner Butner from Daniel, second in the round in the Saddle Bronc last night with an 88. He pocketed $24,268. He's third in the average, fifth in the world standing. Over in the bareback, Buffalo native Cole Reiner with an 83 last night. He was out of the money, but he is third in the aggregate, eighth in the world standings. Fifth, the fifth round of the NFR will be tonight from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. Boys high school basketball from over the weekend. First on Thursday, Laramie over Kelly Walls, 58-43. And the Tronin down Evanston, 51-43. Cheyenne East over Jackson 57-40. Cheyenne Central beat Star Valley 71-48. Burns over Moorcroft in overtime 70-69. And Pine Bluffs beat Wheatland 51-30. On Friday on the boys' side, Laramie over Evanston 64-44. Kelly Walsh beat Cheyenne South 73-55. Natrona got by Green River 56-41. Cheyenne Central went over Pine Bluff 64-45. Cheyenne Central also beat Riverton 53-48. Cheyenne East beat Star Valley 61-46. Burns lost twice 47-41 to Newcastle and 55-54 to Arvada, Colorado. Douglas over Pine Bluff, 71-28. Glenrock lost twice, 69-64 to St. Stephen's and 49-43 to Wyoming Indian. The KC boys split their games on Friday, losing to Grable 49-35 and beating Rocky Mountain 50-46. Then on Saturday, the Tron over Kelly Walsh in the Battle of, Battle of Casper, 46-36. Laramie over Green River, 64-54. And the Tron Evanston beat Cheyenne South, 66-47. Cheyenne Central over Jackson, 50-34. Cheyenne East with two wins, 81-52 over Lansing. 
Philander in 64-59 over Riverton. Southeast B. Burns 66-40. Mitchell over Mitchell, Nebraska B. Pine Bluffs 49-37. Lenrock with two wins. 51-42 over Rocky. 54-45 over Grable. Midwest down Rock River 43-27. KC lost twice. 61-48 to St. Stephen's and 70-34 to Wyoming Indian. Men's Junior College Basketball. Casper College is 10-5 on the year after a 102-77 win over Dawson, Montana their last time out. Tebers won't play again until the first of the year. The LCCC men are 9-5 after a 75-67 victory over NJC their last time out. The Golden Eagles will be at number 3 Salt Lake Community College tonight. The Battle of Casper. Yes. Okay. That's the first one. The big battle yeah. is the, called the Peach Basket Classic. Huh? That'll be later on in the season. They have a trophy, you know, and right. like you know, like where Dr. Naismith okay. invented the game, you know, and that's what it is. So. so they don't get a peach basket. They have a trophy that's the peach basket. Okay, because I would like a, a basket of peaches. But there's no peaches in it there's because, no the, bo- because there's, the bottom is out of the basket okay. to let the ball go through. I, well, yeah, that's how basketball was invented yeah, at a right, YMCA. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel I'm being ripped off. I want peaches. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. you, we have to go somewhere else. Okay. That's, all right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name's Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Tuesday, in case you didn't know. Pretty nice weather today over around the region. That's not going to be with us forever, but we do have a little bit of a reprieve with some nice weather. Don Day will explain at 7.45 when he comes on live. Okay, complete outside-of-the-box topic. I just... Uh, you know how studies drive me nuts. Well, I accidentally came across a website that just gathers all sorts of studies. And, of course, they ran out of things to do a long time ago, so the kinds of studies they put up there are getting worse and worse all the time. Sometimes they do actually have a point. A lot of times the studies are just garbage, but there they are on the site. So I decided to say because they had stories like this. Here's their headline. More men are requesting butt implants. <clears throat> I'm just letting that sink in, yeah. Okay, so, so, okay, hang on. Some of you spit your coffee across the room, I understand. Others, you are just staring at the radio. You haven't blinked in a couple of seconds. Go ahead and blink. I get it. So, the first time I heard of butt implants, it was some women that had gone down to around the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. And they had gotten in trouble because they wanted to have butt injections to bring their derriere back up to where it used to be when they were younger. The nice, firm, you could bounce a quarter off it kind of thing, right? Unfortunately, they went to some doctor. This is sketchy enough. The doctor wants to meet them at some cheap hotel. Does that sound right? To get the you know injections and all of that. And, and then what they found that went into the injections was just horrifying. A lot of these women did not do well. They had to be rushed to the hospital. But now, people do, instead of having to work out with today's surgery techniques, plastic surgery and so on, you can get implants for all sorts of things. Don't want to go to the gym to make yourself look buff? 
just get some implants, chest implants. Men, you too. Women can get chest implants, but men can too to make themselves look like they go to the gym and have a nice chest or bicep implants. All right, here's the story. What's the perfect male buttocks look like? Yes, there's a study for that, it says. Durham, North Carolina. Does Captain America no longer have the best butt in the United States? If you watch the Marvel movies, you understand what I'm talking about. The quest for the ideal backside, it says, has gained attention in recent internet surveys, shedding light on a preference for the male body, uh, contouring the glutinal area, enhancing, and people. some people are getting surgery, implants. Now, for those guys out there, and we all have seen them, the guys who were born without a butt, there's just nothing back there. It must be very difficult to sit for long periods of time because there's no cushion. Right. This might be for you. <clears throat> Quote, our results demonstrate that there is a preferred male aesthetic to the hindquarters. Yeah, I, I don't know, preferred by whom, whatever, I guess. You ladies out there have your own preference about what, okay. The findings suggest that a moderately enhanced, well-proportioned appearance is most desirable. A study, yes, somebody did a study, aimed to define the aesthetics of the ideal male buttocks was done. While cosmetic procedures, glutinal augmentation and lifting is what they call it, have been predominantly associated with women, there's a rising trend among men as well. Guys, really? All right. Quote, but while previous studies have evaluated the features of attractiveness for the male buttocks, no one has uh, really studied the uh, ideal male buttocks itself. Well, that would be a matter of opinion, wouldn't it? Quote, in our survey, raiders thought the ideal male buttocks shouldn't be flat, but also shouldn't stick out too far, shouldn't be too wide, et cetera, et cetera. And then as I read the article, I'm glad you're not looking at this because there are various pictures of male backsides to show what they're talking about, which I immediately scroll past because I don't need to see this. It's only 7.11 in the morning. I don't need to see. These preferences differ from previous studies from the ideal female box, which, by the way, we have changed. If you think about this. We do go through different styles and phases of what we think is attractive. I mean, think about what Marilyn Monroe looked like, the full-figured gal, compared to today, which is a completely different look than what it was you know, back then. So we've changed our opinion quite a bit about what we think the, the, the top aesthetic is, which means if you went and got surgery to look a certain way, by the time you got done and spent all of that money, the trend will have changed, and you're out of style now, so okay. The survey uncovered variations in preferences based on respondents' characteristics like uh, race and sexual orientation, and however preferred proportions were relatively similar between, you know, for men, not for you ladies out there. Quote, our study is one of the first to really focus on what makes a male buttocks most attractive. So, again, there are people out there. See, you think, if you think that I have a stupid job, and I do, 
there are people out there doing research like this to figure this out. But then there are plastic surgeons who open up an office and they start to see women for all sorts of different things that women want to get done. Because as we get older, we start having problems, and sometimes women will come in, hey, can you adjust this? Can you fix that? I don't like the way this sags or the way that's puffing up or whatever the case may be. Could you fix this? This happens with a a lot of women. To have some guy walk in to the plastic surgeon's office and sit down and say, well, um, I want some butt implants and and that's now becomes the topic of conversation between him and the doctor as they discuss what it's supposed to look like what surgery will entail and then someday the guy will go in for the surgery and when he comes out his pants will fit differently is the best way i can think to put it because he went ahead and got this surgery done and according to this story more men are asking now when i say more men are asking for this i don't I can't imagine a lot more. I can't imagine any men would ask for it, but I can't. Apparently, men are, and the number has increased with the number of men who are. So there you go. Now you can go to work today with that disturbing image in your mind. And as you think about this, and it drives you crazy during the course of the day, you have me to thank for it. You're welcome. Wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods is There's Dan and Cheyenne. You don't have a stupid job. Thank you, However, you can't have a stupid topic. Okay. Wasting taxpayer money, good. Too much detail on stupid topics, not so good. (laughs) So I take it the butt story was a stupid topic. Okay. Red and Casper, are you saying that global climate change is causing us to want different butts? I don't know. But I would bet that there's going to be a study that says that. All right, now. Yesterday, I went, I walked up to a pickup truck. Now, this is a new Ford. I can't remember the name of the model because it's a new style of pickup truck. It's a four-cylinder truck, right? Four doors, four cylinders, small bed in the back. But it was good looking. I really enjoyed looking at the outside, the inside. I was really nice. Now, on the sticker, I'm reading the sticker uh, for oh, how much do they want for it? What is its mileage? You know, et cetera, et cetera. What are the details? And one of the things I thought, oh, I've forgotten about this. It's got a scale on it from 1 to 10 to let you know how good this vehicle is at protecting us all from greenhouse gas emissions. So if you buy a vehicle that scores a 10, then congratulations, you're saving the planet from greenhouse gas emissions. If your vehicle scores a 1 or a 0, well, pfft. You obviously are rolling coal while driving down the road in your pickup truck. All cars, vehicles, and so on have this sticker on it now. It's from the EPA. So I thought about this a bit, and I thought, well, now, see, it works a little bit different for people in the state of Wyoming. If you're going to buy a new vehicle, and you look at that sticker, and it says that, let's say you score a 7 or an 8 on the scale. That means that you're really doing the good work at saving the planet from emissions. Congratulations. But that's embarrassing when your friends here in Wyoming find out that your vehicle hardly produces any lethal emissions of any kind. You might want to trade that in and go get something that really stinks up the planet or does good for the planet by producing more CO2 is what we really want to see it. 
So I wrote a satirical story about a guy named uh, Ned who found out because his friends were teasing him that his pickup truck has very low emissions. So he went to trade it in for a vehicle that has really high emissions so he can fit in better. Because that's just embarrassing if your vehicle has low emissions. You want something with high emissions. Especially when the weather gets really cold so we can all rev our engines to heat the uh, the state back up again. So in the satirical story that I wrote, which is on the Wake Up Wyoming site, he ends up going out and buying an electric vehicle. Now his friends make fun of him again because he bought an electric vehicle. Isn't that zero emissions? And he points out, no. And I point out in the story how in electric vehicles, if, you're, if you think carbon, if you mistakenly think that CO2 is a pollutant and causing a climate crisis, so you want to buy something that's low emissions, then you don't want to buy an electric vehicle. Now, with this story, I included another story. There is a map that you can look at to find out where all the charging stations are in Wyoming. All the charging stations. With that, I included a separate map that shows where all of the coal and natural gas power plants are. And in many cases, charging stations for electric vehicles are within sight of the power stations that actually provide the electricity. Yeah. Which you got to wonder, someone who's charging your vehicle might look at this and scratch their head. And do you think it, do you think it gets true to them, the irony of all of this? Yeah. Okay. So what I'll do from now on, I don't need a car right now. Mine's just fine. My car will be fine for another good long period of time. I'm good. But someday I'll have to go buy another vehicle. And when I go to buy the vehicle, I'm going to look at that sticker because it was the EPA major auto dealer do this. It's like when you go to buy lunch somewhere and on the menu, they have the calorie count. Now, when you take a look at Americans today, is anyone really looking at that calorie count? No, obviously not. So making people put a calorie, making restaurants put a calorie count on their food has not helped Americans at all count their calories. So do you think putting a little label on there showing we think that you're saving the planet because this vehicle has low carbon emissions? We know because we stuck a probe up the tailpipe. And we know. and But that vehicle over there doesn't have a tailpipe, which means it's an electric-powered car, so the tailpipe is back at the power plant. But anyway, so the, would that really matter to you? It's going to matter to me from now on. From now on, when I go to buy a car, I'm going to take a look at that little sticker to see where my car, the car that I'm thinking about buying, rests on the carbon footprint scale, okay? The greenhouse gas scale, as they call it. And the lower my score is, or in other words, the, the better it does for the planet, the less I want to buy the car. The higher the emissions are, the more I'm interested in buying that vehicle. Which means when I see somebody rolling, uh, riding down the street rolling coal, I'm usually cheering them on. 
unless I have to drive through it personally, then I call the guy a whole bunch of names I can't repeat on the air. Anyway. Hey, everybody, it's Crazy Larry. Did you make the mistake of getting one of them electrified vehicles? No, oh, I know. If you live in California like me, they've been mandated. But how are you going to keep them charged when there ain't enough power to go around? No, but don't worry. Crazy Larry's got some crazy ideas for you. Come on by my accessory shop for electric vehicles. Wouldn't you like to buy a diesel generator to charge your electric car? Oh, I'm sorry. You're trying to keep it green? Oh, well, here's a battery charger that will charge your electric vehicle. Now, if that runs out of power, don't you worry none, because we got a diesel backup generator for that sucker. But why should you pay for all of this? Why, you can get a hold of my electrical wiring system will help you hook up your car to your neighbor's car so you can drain their battery overnight to charge what you got. Or why not just take it from the people who put you in this situation in the first place? Yeah, here's a charging system that'll help you hook up to electrified city bus, drain the bus, charge your car, charge your vehicle off a of city hall, charge your vehicle off for the governor's mansion. Yeah, whatever you do, just don't pay for it yourself. Now, this is California, after all, where nobody pays for anything themselves. So come on down and get your EV accessories from Crazy Larry's EV Accessory Shop. Leave your moral compass at the door. I'm just looking something up here. Let's see. Uh, I, I want stickers. You can always get, you can get stickers that um, say anything you want. Let's see. Here's one. It just says uh, powered by coal. That's a good one. So you can go. I provided a map of every single electric charging station for cars in Wyoming. And you can just go around putting stickers on. This one says powered by coal. Here's a bumper sticker. Your electric car is powered by coal. There's one. That, that says it all right there. Your electric car is powered by coal. That's a good one. Here's another bumper sticker. I like drive an electric car. Think a coal miner. Oh, okay. Uh, here's one. Now, it doesn't say it. It has a couple of pictures, which I actually like this one. This, and it shows an, uh, an EV, an electric car, runs on, and then there's a picture of uh, basically a cart that's carrying coal. Okay, so you have to sort of imagine what that is here. Probably powered by coal. There's another good one here. Okay. Uh you can go fast. I can go anywhere. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, electric cars are very, you know, they, boy, if you, you put your foot down on the pedal and, man, you take off fast on those things. So, let's see. It's a high. It's a high. Oh, I like this one. Okay. My car is a hybrid. It burns gas and oil. And so, okay. Uh, I can go with that one there. Uh, okay. I still like the one, your electric car is powered by coal. Grab a bunch of those stickers. Go to every single charging station in Wyoming. Stick them all over the place. Or nearby so you're not defacing somebody else's property so they can see. Or maybe an arrow that points to the power plant so they can see what's actually charging their vehicle. And, and then we just got to wait and see if it actually gets through to them or not. Coming up on local news, update on your weather forecast right after that. You and I get back into it. At 745, Don Day comes on live to talk about the weather, which is actually nice for this time of year, for the next like week or so. Let's wake up, Wyoming.
weekend. Start your day the right way. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Seven thirty-six. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. For those who enjoy me doing it, I'll be picking on Governor Gordon in the next hour of the program. <laughs> something he said on sixty minutes. We got to talk about. Meantime, now, okay. So I was talking about just some idiotic studies, which I love to pick out idiotic studies. The internet is full of them, and unfortunately, uh, the number of people who believe because it was said on the news, somebody did a study. Oftentimes, I find studies cited. Well, multiple studies show, yeah, well, those multiple studies are crap, so you shouldn't believe them. But all right. One of my favorite, all-time favorite broadcast heroes is John Stossel. Now, I, when I was in Florida last week, I found a book. I got it for $1.50. Sorry, John. See, this book was selling for $22 when he came out with it. John Stossel, and this was back when he was on the TV show 2020. Miss lies and downright stupidity. Get out the shovel while everything you know is wrong. It's a very good book, and I started to reread it again. By the way, uh, Casper Wyoming is mentioned in this book, too. He used it as an example, but all right. So I was reading this, and I'm about uh, halfway through here. And, and I'll go to this book over the next uh, few months here because there's some things that are worth bringing up. But he loves to debunk all sorts of things, like the title of the book says, Myths and Lies and Downright Stupidity. Here's one that he did just recently. This hit all the major news outlets. Somebody did a study on loneliness. We are lonelier than ever before. And because a study came out that said it, every news outlet out there repeated it as if it was just fact. Are you lonely? You must be because headline after headline says loneliness is everywhere in America. There's a mass loneliness crisis going on. Loneliness is an epidemic. We are absolutely in a loneliness crisis. As usual, the media are just wrong. Loneliness isn't getting worse. Nothing to back it up? Well, yes, there is an epidemic of headlines uh, saying that there is a loneliness epidemic. But there's no empirical data that actually shows that we feel more lonely now than we did in the past. In his new book, Johan Norberg explains that when researchers compare people with previous generations at the same stage of life, they don't find evidence of increased loneliness. Which is interesting, because I would also think that it's less of a stigma to tell people that you feel lonely nowadays. But more people live alone now. I would think that would make more people lonelier. But the interesting thing, and this is what they never tell you in the reports, is that people who live alone and spend less time with surrounded by other people are also more happy with those relationships. But in places like India and China, where you, I would think they'd have big families to count on, many more say they have no one. It's the complete opposite of what people expect. In traditional and less market-based societies, between 20 to 30 to 40 percent say they have no one to count on if they need help. Whereas in the richest and most individualist societies, it's in the low single digits. It's the opposite of what the scaremongers tell us. So uh, the story goes on. It's on his YouTube page, John Stossel's YouTube page, and it goes on for quite a bit. But again, as he said at the very end, where I cut it off, that's where I edited out and cut off the stories. That's the opposite of what we're being told, which is usually the case. So somebody came up with a, and let's put it in air quotes, study 
that said, we're getting lonelier. It's an epidemic. We're lonelier than ever before. And news outlets seized on it. I remember when that came out. It wasn't long ago, just a few months ago. And all of a sudden, every single news outlet out there that I could find had some kind of story about the epidemic and the crisis of loneliness. And then I wondered, well, okay, first off, as John Stossel's pointed out, not only is that not true, and not one single reporter bothered to do any kind of research of his own to find out if it was true or not. The study came out, therefore everybody just believed it and went with it and repeated it, so therefore it must be true? No, it's not. Nothing to back that up whatsoever. But that's typical of news agencies in today's world. Just crank out the content as fast as you can. Don't check to see if it's true or not, especially if it sounds like it's bad news. But uh, let's pretend for a moment that it is true, right? Just pretend for a moment we're all so lonely and it's an epidemic out there. Then who's to blame? Well, in this story, they blame capitalism for loneliness, of course, it's got to be an anti-capitalist story. So capitalism is blamed for loneliness. And then how do we solve that? Well, we have to have more government control. Don't, they actually went there with the story that capitalism was to blame and we have to have more government control. If you're lonely, government needs to solve that kind of a problem. Same typical thing you hear over and over again. Which is why, once again, if you think that most of what you hear brought out to you by news media today, well, I, I can't even just say today, even in the past, is just garbage. Uh, yes, it tends to be. And we're inundated by more garbage than ever before. It's so easy uh, to watch as people are swiping on their cell phones. A lot of times you're looking at what are supposed to be news stories. And it's just a flood of content to keep people swiping very little of it's actually true 742 wake the best talk show very, host very in the sick. state dense fog advisories in a in Tune effect and there are some sections of interstate 80 Weekdays and parts of the central and south where you may run into some limited visibility out there okay now this uh lasts about how long because i know in my forecast anyway locally it's a bit cloudy today yeah, especially in the central and the south. And the, the fog will be at its worst here through the mid to late morning hours. But I can see the fog hanging all the way up to the, the lunch hour in some really? parts of the southeast. But the trend, Glenn, as we discussed yesterday, is that once this system moves out and moves to the south, we're going to hit several days here where there's just really not a lot going on. Okay, uh, We'll certainly see that starting tomorrow, and it could go all the way into early next week. So what are you going to do with yourself? That's a good question. Yeah, I guess right. I guess I can, you know, get all that work done I've been putting off. I'm sure. I'm sure if you go home, look in the kitchen, there's a jar that says honeydew. There you go. Yeah, and just reach into that thing over there. Now, I keep warning people, though, this is very nice, and I'm glad. But isn't that because, uh, for example, there's a system of uh, weather that's going underneath us. Things just seem to be kind of missing us. Yeah, we've got a storm track setting up a southerly jet stream that's going to bring a significant storm in New Mexico, parts of southern Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. They're going to see a, a significant a storm with rain and heavy snow on the backside of it. Uh, we're seeing, as we mentioned yesterday, an El Nino pattern finally showing itself. We will eventually see our weather change here after this period of, of quiet weather, mid to late 
more like late next week towards that weekend before Christmas is when we're probably going to start to see the storm track come back into here. And it's something that we'll just monitor. Um, so the, the best weather coming on up is over the next seven days. After that, things expect things to change. Okay, because at some point, people are going to start wondering what's going to happen on Christmas. White well, Christmas, exactly. Like yeah. yeah, I'm already getting those questions. And, and the way it looks now is that the good weather stops right when everybody wants to travel. You know, maybe we uh, can yeah. extend this. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, well, that's what you and I will be talking a lot about next oh, week. Okay, so here's how this works. Wait, correct me if I'm wrong. So when does the next big storm hit? Look at your plane ticket. That's <laughs> really true. <clears throat> that's about right. All right, thank you, Don. Don Day. Would hate to do that to you folks here, but that's probably exactly how that's going to happen. Oh, if we go to the icebox where Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, now, I was not very big on bands of the 80s, Frank. I was well, more, so, some were good and some, some were, were okay. Yes, I was more of like the 1970s rock and roll era. Yeah, me I too, and then a lot of them were really good, yeah. And so I started looking at band names. Now, I'm convinced that bands ran out of names a long time ago. Oh, no, they come up with new ones. So they're just, well, what they have is that just a big bucket of words yeah. And they just reach in and pull stuff out. So here yeah. we go. Bad English. Bad English, yeah. That's the name of a band. The Firm. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, okay. Um, not Halloween, but Halloween. Haven't heard of them. Okay. The Hooters? Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, Kajagoo Never heard of them. Uh, no. And they have really stupid hair. Goo Goo Dolls, I Goo -goo did Goo Dolls, hear yeah, they were just, okay, yeah, they okay. were just here. Uh, Cutting Crew? Nope. Never even okay. Glass Tiger, I've heard of, but I don't remember the yeah, music. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't. No. Okay. Well, see, again, when you do like a name like Glass Tiger, here again, you're just sort of pulling names out of a hat somewhere to come together with a name like Glass Tiger. You, you, yeah, you should. They had the playlist for Lollapalooza this yeah. summer, and I didn't recognize any of the bands, and some of these names were like. Whoa, did they think okay. of that name sober? Yeah, or really. Or were they um, under the influence of something else? Limp Biscuit. Oh, Limp Biscuit, yes. yeah. yeah. It's a good band. Oh, but yeah. I don't, actually. Puddle of Mud. I've heard of them. Yeah, uh, so somebody just saw a Puddle of Mud and said, that'll do? Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Uh, let me see. There's what, uh, Papa Roach. I've heard of them. Yep, him. Now, again, yeah. how do you even put Papa and Roach together? I think you reach into a bucket full of words, and the first word you pull out was Papa. Could have been Roach Papa. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. Mushroom Head. I don't even want to know. Uh, you say party, we say die. That's the name of a band. <laughs> you say party, we say die. That Okay. Um, tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Attack, Attack. That, I've, I vaguely have heard of them. Okay. Um, everything, Everything. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> really? These are band names. Maybe they just say, you know what, we're the band was named We're Bad. Yes, okay. Uh how about we we just come up with no name as a band. You mm -hmm. know, uh Saliva. They can do something better than that. There was that. actually a band named Snot. <laughs> they never <laughs> they never intended to be successful. Now I do like this. It's a good band name, but it doesn't make any sense. You've heard of Matchbox Twenty. Yeah. They're very good. I like their music. I've always just looked at it and thought, where did you even, uh, you reached into the bucket of words. And came up with Matchbox 20. National Finals Rodeo moved along last night in Las Vegas with round number four in the Saddle Bronx. Hillsdale native and Cheyenne East grab Brody Crest.
with an 86 and a half. That placed him third in the round and he earned over 18,000 bucks last night. Crest is first in the average and seventh in the world standing. Tanner Butner from Daniels, second in the round in the Saddle Bronc last night with an 88, and he pocketed over 24 grand. He's third in the average and fifth in the world standings. Over in the bareback, Buffalo native Cole Reiner with an 83. He was out of the money last night, but he is third in the aggregate and eighth in the world standings. And the fifth round of the NFR will be tonight from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. Boys High School basketball from over the weekend on Thursday. Laramie over Kelly Walls 58-43 and the Toronto Down Evanston 51-43. Cheyenne East over Jackson 57-40. Cheyenne Central beat Star Valley 71-48. Burns over Moorcroft in overtime 70-69 and Pine Bluffs lost to Wheatland 51-30. On Friday, Laramie over Evanston 64-44. Kelly Walsh down Cheyenne South 73-55. And the Toronto got by Green River 56-41. Cheyenne Central over Pinedale, 64-45, and Central also beat Riverton, 53-48. Cheyenne East beat Star Valley, 61-46. Burns lost twice on Friday, 47-41 the Newcastle, and 55-44 to Arvada, Colorado. Douglas over Pine Bluff, 71-28. Glenrock lost twice on Friday, 69-64 to St. Stephen's, and 49-43 to Wyoming Indian. The KC boys split their games on Friday, losing to Grable, 49-35, and beating Rocky Mountain, 50-46. On Saturday, and they're trying to beat Kelly Walsh in the Battle of Casper, 46-36 on the boys' side. Laramie over Green River, 64-54. Evanston beat South, 66-47. Cheyenne Central over Jackson, 50-34. Cheyenne East with two wins on Saturday, beating Lander, 81-52, and then 64-59 over Riverton. Southeast over Burns, 66-40. Mitchell, Nebraska beat Pine Bluffs, 49-37. Glenrock with two wins on Saturday, 51-42 over Rocky Mountain, and 54-45 over Grable. Midwest down Rock River 43-27 and KC lost twice on Saturday 61-48 to St. Stephen's and 70-34 to Wyoming Indian. Men's Junior College Basketball, Casper College is 10-5 on the year after a 102-77 win over Dawson, Montana the last time out. T-Bridge won't play again until after the first of the year. The LCCC men are 9-5 after a 75-67 win over NJC the last time out. The Golden Eagles will be at number 3 Salt Lake City Community College tonight. And that's so, RH in Wiggins, Colorado says... The firm is Paul Rogers from Bad Company. Bad, bad Company, yeah. And Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. And Led Zeppelin came up with their name because they thought somebody in the band said, this band's going to go over like a Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. See? Uh, Mark, who's in the, he says, Godforsaken Hill just outside of Casper. I call it the Random Band Name Generator, and it's a part of the Random Song Lyric Generator. <laughs> okay. Which I can believe. <laughs> Maybe they should call the next band the Generators. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. It's Wake Up Wyoming. For the weekend. It's a Tuesday at 8.06 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. So, Governor of Wyoming was on 60 Minutes. And he said something which some of you are going to go, no, I probably agree with that. And a lot of you are going to say, yeah, absolutely not. So, let's go ahead and pick up with that. And while we're picking it apart, it's also the most dangerous time 
for this program, every single day at about this time it happens, it's open phones. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven Woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. I'll change the subject. And as so many people do, if you've downloaded the Wake Up Wyoming app, which is free at your app store, hit the chat option. Send me text messages. Because I answer those both on and off the air while I'm on. Okay, so headline, Gordon tells 60 Minutes his climate, his climate stance is well-respected in Wyoming. <clears throat> I'm giving a moment for that to sink in. His climate stance is well-respected in Wyoming. All right. I think if that's the case, but we'll dig into exactly what he said here, that that is what happens when you get yourself caught inside an echo chamber. Got to get outside of that. All right, so 60 Minutes did a piece on Wyoming. They even talked to someone at the University of Wyoming about carbon capture, things like this. And, of course, 60 Minutes will, of course, take it from the point of view that we need to do this. That CO2 is a pollutant and we need more wind turbines and solar panels and we need to sequester carbon. We got to get rid of coal and oil. And of course, 60 Minutes is going to take that point of view. They would never take any other point of view because leftist media, right? All right, so here's what it says Cowboy State Daily. Governor Mark Gordon said on Sunday's episode of 60 Minutes this, that his carbon negative energy goals for Wyoming and belief that climate change is a crisis has made his seat hot with some Wyoming Republicans, but that those positions have generally been well-respected. Now, it depends on how you want to define well-respected. So I had the governor on the program where I did at one of the questions. Unfortunately, I ran out of time, but I did ask him about it. And I did show him respect he's the governor, okay? And I let him answer the question. So I still, at the same time, though, look at it and go, well, we don't, governor have a climate crisis that's not a thing that's fake okay and we shouldn't be sequestering carbon and i have gotten a hold of my representatives and a few others and said can we just put a stop to this and by the way when we elect the next governor whoever that may be uh, can we find someone who wants to reverse a lot of this but let's read on to see what the governor exactly meant by this the story says Gordon brought his climate change agenda to the long-running CBS News magazine, saying he believes Wyoming can simultaneously address climate change and welcome green energy projects while embracing its legacy of fossil fuel industries. So let me pick apart, because I always do that, what is wrong with what I just read there? Saying he believes Wyoming can simultaneously address climate change. Pause. Climate change is a natural thing. So you can't fix something that is always going to happen. There's, we didn't cause it. There's nothing we can do about it. It's a natural thing. We're not doing anything here. And welcome green energy. Green energy is not green, as I've talked about so many times in the past. There's nothing green about it. 
while also embracing its legacy of fossil fuels. We don't use fossil fuels. We use organic fuels. I'm changing the name of it because you don't get fuel from fossils. It's organic material that we're using here. So you see, in that one paragraph there, so much was said that was just completely false. But let's read on. As 60 Minutes put it, Gordon is looking to be both red and green. A Republican who believes climate change is real and an urgent issue. Quote, we need to be aggressive and we needed to really address this issue, Gordon said, of climate change. Well, again, uh, this word the governor and I, and I know a lot of you have a sharp disagreement on that, but let's read on. The governor has consistently espoused in all of the above energy policy, expressing equal support for alternative energies like wind and solar and traditional, I'll say organic fuels, I call it oil. He believes it's important for the state to find something for everyone. <clears throat> Quote, if I, I think, this is quoting the governor, I think if, if people are going to embrace how we can get carbon neutral, carbon negative future, it has to be saying we're going to be a little bit better by embracing innovation, he said. Now, this is where, again, I've talked, the, the governor and I disagreed on this term. I said that essentially what this is doing is trying to appease. Going carbon neutral or carbon negative by sequestering CO2 is trying to appease the cult of climate change. With the idea, And I've heard this from people before, long before Gordon was governor, long before he was governor. I've had people in the Wyoming House and Senate, even Republicans, say to me, well, if we want to sell our energy, this is what we have to do. I said, well, you're not going to appease these people because they want everything left in the ground. All of it, no matter what we do. So appeasing doesn't help. And the governor disagreed on my word appeasing. I don't think we're trying to appease anybody here, he said. Well, I disagree, governor. I think you are. And it's not going to work. No matter what you do, they want us to leave it all in the ground. The irony of all of that, though, and I think actually the funny part is, if we did, as you know, if we left it all in the ground, then they can't have their wind or solar or electric cars either because those things are made with petroleum and coal. I push back. Again, reading from Cowboy State Daily. Gordon acknowledged that he's receiving some pushback from Wyoming residents for his stance on climate change. I'm one of them. State Senator uh, Republican Lingo recently invited Gordon to a debate, the case of climate change. A proposal Gordon eventually declined. First, he, I, th I think he said yes, at first, then declined it. She told Cowboy State Daily, Gordon continues to pass the buck on the issue and should provide a cost-benefit analysis of proposed policies. Quote, Governor Gordon continues to fail at presenting a full case that climate change is caused by CO2 and that global warming is an urgent crisis, she said. The governor has never told the people of Wyoming what becoming carbon negative and decarbonized in the West will truly cost. And there's something I brought to you before. Uh, speaking of the cost of it, just what little carbon sequestration we're, invest we're investigating, just investigating right now, has raised your utility bills a little bit. And doing more and becoming carbon negative will greatly raise your utility rates. All right, but reading on. The 60 Minutes interview conducted in September, about a month prior to his comments, Gordon made at Harvard University, that received a strong backlash. So, in other words, what you saw on 60, if you watched it on 60 Minutes, he made those comments 
260 Minutes. Then he went to Harvard University and talked about being carbon negative. And then there was the backlash from his own party. So just so you know, he's not saying this after the backlash. He said it before it. Okay. The comments drew surprise and outrage and a vote of no confidence from his own Republican Party. While the Harvard visit got widespread reaction, Gordon has espoused his stance before. And, and, and it is true this, that Gordon has talked many times before. He's always been very open about what he thinks with all of this. So he, it's not like he's been hiding anything. During Sunday's broadcast, Gordon promoted Wyoming's place where all energy is welcome and mentioned how 83% of the state's energy is exported. He said, whenever you're going to, whatever you're going to do in energy, you're going to have to something to do in Wyoming. He said, uh, we have tremendous resources. And he talked about wind and coal and all this kind of stuff. So, okay. Uh, Senator Mike Giro, I'm probably, uh, I just butchered that name. Democrat Jackson said the governor represented the state positively. Well, he's, he said he thought that the governor made the state look good. I guess that depends on your point of view of what looking good looks like. Because, again, I'm not interested in appeasing anybody or making other people happy. I'm interested in doing what is best, not just for the state, but for the country. And currently, we're not. 8.16 is the time. Wake up. And more. And News and at the does. top and bottom of every hour. Carbon this negative. is well, no, Wake what, Up Wyoming uh, wants with to Glenn do Woods on AM 1030. It's not just capture to use CO2 to get more oil out of the ground or something like that, but to sequester, to keep it underground. But also the carbon negative part is the governor signed. It, it's uh, just a letter of intent to cooperate with and maybe provide some money, we'll see, with Colorado to put up this system, which essentially will just capture CO2 out of thin air and then sequester it. That would make us carbon negative. That's what the governor's out of. So, all right. Now, I will spend a little bit of time uh, giving Gordon credit on something when it comes to all of this. Because, see, I, I know some of you disagree with me, but I've known the guy for a while. Not really well, but I know him. And I've never considered him to be a bad person. I'm not going to demonize him because I don't think he's a bad person. But we do disagree on stuff like this. I mean, really disagree. And so, well, I don't see the need to demonize someone just because I disagree with him on something. So I don't. I think he's a good man. I uh, don't want him to be governor when it comes to things like this. I want somebody else. But all right. Wyoming, the story said, let's see, this is a wild file. Wyoming will not participate in the federal climate pollution reduction grant program declining instead to turn down the governor turned down three million an opportunity to apply for more funding from the 4.6 billion federal effort the u.s environmental protection agency governor gordon said insisted on revising the state's draft cowboy state pollution reduction plan application and removing flexibility for how the state could spend federal dollars from future climate pollution reduction grant awards. So, quote, for Wyoming, this amounts to a classic bait and switch, said the governor. The program funded by the Inflation Reduction Act, which, as you know, that even the president admitted that title is a lie. It did, it's nothing to do with in reducing inflation aims to help state reduce greenhouse gas emissions 
and other harmful pollutions, according to the EPA. Let me stop and correct that, as I always do. CO2 is not a pollutant, okay? So I'm not going to include it among pollutants. More simply, the EPA wants to fund homegrown climate pollution reduction plans in states and will use uh, a flurry of climate and environmental rules coming down the pike. But negotiations between Wyoming Department of Environmental Quality and the EPA developed a two and wants Wyoming to develop a Wyoming plan didn't go well, Gordon said. He concluded that the EPA will turn Wyoming and other states' planning efforts upside down into a mandate to prematurely shut down all of the above energy development. So what what Gordon wants to do is he wants to keep the coal plants going, the gas plants going. He wants the nuclear plant. He wants the wind. He wants the solar. And he says, if we got involved in this program, well, the EPA is just going to find a way to shut down all of the gas and coal plants. So he turned it down. He said it's a bait and switch. Quote, EPA worked closely and constructively with Wyoming to incorporate the state's feedback. But then, in the case of Wyoming, we prepared an uh, award amendment that addressed its request and aligned a, a work plan with this. And essentially, again, the governor found himself in what he thought would be a bait and switch. So he's not applying for the grant money. That kind of puts him at odds with the EPA, essentially. All right. So we'll see where it goes from here. This is one of those cases where don't cooperate with the EPA. And I, as you've heard me say many times, and quit reaching out for that grant money from the federal government. First of all, the feds don't have the money. They don't have it. They don't. Massive debt for future generations over something we shouldn't even be involved in. And Wyoming is, just like every other state, constantly reaching out for that federal money. Stop. It comes with strings attached. Now, on that note, also from Wildfile. Let's see. So today, this is actually was posted four hours ago, and I just found it. Rocky Mountain Power says its Wyoming's customers will pay an extra $54 million annually. That doesn't mean you personally. Spread amongst us all, I guess. Okay, Rocky Mountain Power customers will see a notable hike in their monthly electric bills beginning January. It's far less than 21.6% that the company wanted. Of course it is. And when you add some other things, that was almost 30%. But, of course, that's what they ask, and then they allow us to knock them back. So it sounds like they've done something for us when, in fact, they're raising our rates 21.6%. The utility will tap its 144,000 Wyoming customers for general rate increases of about 8.3 for an extra annual 54 million, according to Rocky Mountain Power. The commission must still verify the calculations and give us final approval. Remember that, that they still have to give final approval. Wyoming AARP, which successfully pushed for a series of public hearings on the matter and rallied its members to submit thousands of written comments in opposition to the hike is generally pleased. The commission now see that's where I agree I disagree with the AARP, and I know the gentleman who's running Wyoming AARP. He's on this program from time to time, uh, he, and he's looking at this going. Well, I'm pleased with. I mean, they were asking for near thirty percent, but now we're down to this. No, see again, that was the ploy. So uh, people are going to feel it, though. He said Sam Shumway is his name. It's still eight point three percent. It's still a significant increase. Yes, it is. 
The commission will also issue a final decision this month on separate upward fuel coal uh, cost adjustment of $50.3 million to account for a higher than estimated natural gas and coal power market purchases in 2022. They want to make up for losses back then. The commission will hear that case, which is being challenged in Cheyenne. So we'll see how that was going. Rocky Mountain Power's 21.6% rate hike proposal initially filed in March was a bit of a moving target. But again, oh, we got it way down to this was always the case. Well, you knew this. We talked about it. You guys weren't surprised. But of course, they're going to ask for nearly 30%, but then act like the heroes when they bring it way down to something that they originally intended. Keith and Cheyenne. Didn't they stop putting up all the wind turbines and plant trees in Wyoming? Uh, that would take care. Oh, if they did, if they stop. Okay, I see what you're saying. If they stop putting up all of the wind turbines and started planting trees, wouldn't that take care of the CO2? You know, actually, I have an interesting. Keith, can you hang on through the break? I've got an interesting answer that you're not going to expect. It's it's you didn't see this coming. Why trees are bad for the climate. Yeah, you won't believe I'll get into that and other things as we get through our news and information segment here, weather forecast right after local news. 888-97 Woods, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. I'll just kind of roll with it. It's Wake Up Wyoming. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. Eight thirty six the time. All right, triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number it's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. So I gotta go ahead and answer the question from Keith. Now Keith is one of those who's sending me notes off of the Wake Up Wyoming app. Basically, he's saying if we stopped putting up wind turbines but planted trees, wouldn't that take care of the CO2? Yes. However, uh, Bill Gates is one of those. Talk about, oh, geez. You, you look at him being such a genius for what he created with computers and how he affected uh, the development of uh, today's internet and so much that we do today online. So in many ways, just a genius guy and made a lot of money doing it. It was that. But then there's other dumb things he does, and one of them is he's worried that, okay, so a tree, when it's growing, captures CO2. But then the tree dies, and as the tree rots, now think about this, a rotting tree is good for nature. I'll get back to that because it does so many good things, as you know, but we'll review it, right? But when it's rotting and falling apart, it's releasing it's CO2 back into the atmosphere. Oh, it's causing climate change. Okay, so here's what's really going on. So, now my sister taught me this many years ago. I was looking at a dead standing tree. And she said, think about how much life that that offers. Because when you look at a tree that's dead, but it's still standing, things move into that. That's like a high-rise condo. So many different kinds of life forms, from microbial life to bugs to birds, 
so many different kinds of life move into a tree. When a tree eventually falls over and hits the ground, but we wouldn't know if it made a noise because we weren't there, you know. When it hits the ground and starts to rot, that continues. Between little microbial life feasting on it to bugs living there and feasting on it, things that nest in there, again, from bugs to bigger animals that uh, place their little larvae or eggs or whatever in there. As it's rotting apart, it's providing nutrients for the soil so new things can grow. And it's releasing its CO2 into the atmosphere, which goes up into the air, and there's trees around it, right? And so those trees will absorb the CO2 from its dead buddy. All those trees are inhaling the CO2 from that dead tree in the middle of them. And that helps them to grow because they inhale it. They capture the carbon out of there and exhale the O2. So that rotting tree is helping nature get greener. So a dead rotting tree is nothing but good, no matter how you look at it. But someone like Bill Gates comes along and goes, no, no, we got to take these trees and we got to bury them and sequester the carbon underground. Because sequestering that carbon underground, you see, uh, that keeps uh, you know, from the, the climate from changing. Okay. Dr. Patrick Moore is a co-founder of Greenpeace. Projected CO2 level in the absence of human emissions, there it goes through that red line, everything dies. It could be a million years from now or two, but that's not very long in the situation of life's history. So life would have killed itself inadvertently by creating armor plating in the sea. And we inadvertently are replenish it by finding fossil fuels and making cement. We didn't know that we were doing this positive role, but basically my paper, The Positive Influence of Human CO2 Emissions on the Survival of Life on Earth, is available on the internet, and it goes through the whole story, and we are life's savior, salvation, not its destroyer, because it would have gone down if we had not intervened, if we had not stopped the continuous sedimentation of Carb calcium carbonate on the ocean floor. Now, on that note, we just got done with what they call COP28. COP28 was, of course, the 28th UN CO2 conference that they just had. And one of the headlines that I had, drink deeply Al Gore's bitter tears. There's a couple of stories like this. COP28, the story says, is now on the verge of complete failure. The world desperately needs to phase out of fossil fuels. They mean organic fuels as quickly as possible. But this draft reads as if OPEC dictated it word by word. It is uh, worse than many had feared. So in other words, those who, and this was Al Gore writing that. Al Gore wrote that. <clears throat> See, he, he's one of those who wants an end to coal, gas, and oil, and all this kind of stuff. And yet, the world is actually using more than ever before. We're using more coal, more gas, more oil than ever before. Oh, not so much here in America, but the rest of the world. Here's a quote from the story. It's deeply offensive to all who have taken the process seriously that there are 24 hours left to show whose side the world is on. Uh, this side that wants to protect humanity's future by kickstarting an orderly phase out of fossil fuels or the side that 
prostrates and the leaders of the oil and gas companies who are fueling historic climate catastrophes, writes Al Gore. In order to prevent COP28 from being the most embarrassing and dismal failure in 28 years, the international climate negotiations' final text must include clear language on phasing out fossil fuels. Anything else is a massive step backwards, says Al Gore, from where the world needs to be to truly address climate change. So, in other words, they had this this whole meeting that took a whole week. They all flew there in their big corporate jets, and the SA ate steaks and burgers and so on, and drove around in their limousines and big SUVs. And when it was all said and done, they actually didn't really do anything. That they talked a big game. They really talked a big game, but really not a whole lot was settled or decided. Promises that were made, like in the past, are not going to really be kept. The story here says the U.N.'s climate body Monday published its latest draft text to deal with what it hopes to be reached in the COP28 summit, which includes a range of actions countries could take to reduce emissions. But again, when you take a look at the agreement that was actually made, you know, and Al Gore is not happy, which makes me happy, by the way, that he's not happy. Okay, let me see. There's another one. Uh, that U.S. record of holiday year. Oh, okay. Here we go. So here we come up on another holiday. We just got done with Thanksgiving, and I was saying to you guys, during Thanksgiving, more we set records for how many people drove home to see family cross country, and how many people flew. And we're not supposed to be doing that, right? Here's the latest from the upcoming holiday: record U.S. holiday air travel. As many as 7.5 million will fly. Yeah, about 7.5 million people will fly. These numbers are up. And then there's all the people that are going to drive. These numbers are up, not down. So from CNN, CNN says it's time to limit how often people can travel. You, says CNN, need a carbon passport. That's the answer. Drastic changes to our travel habits are inevitable. They suggest restrictions be forced upon the public. So what CNN, what some commentators at CNN want to do is to make sure that when you travel, you're limited to how often you can travel, how far you can travel. You're going to have to get a passport to do that. So in other words, remember back during COVID when you went to the, some of you went to the airport and you had to show that you had your vaccines to get on. Okay. This would, you would have to show something to say, well, I, I've only flown twice in the whatever amount of time. And so I, I have one more trip that I'm allowed to take. This is what they want to force on you. Okay. This is your cult of climate change for you, which also wants to limit how often you can buy clothes. How much meat you can consume, if any at all. And would like for you uh, sometime soon to start on that steady diet of bugs that they've been talking about. They're not going to do all of that, but they want you to do that. 845, wake up one. Like a strong in the morning. Tasteless, but it'll get you through the day. Here's here's a town name that I like. And I think that Bruce Wayne needs to move there. Mm -hmm. Bat Cave, North Carolina. Oh, I didn't even know they had one. I see. 
But it's not for Batman, is it? Well, obviously he lives in the Batcave or he works out of there. Oh, anyway. okay, yeah. Bigfoot, Texas. Bigfoot, yep. Okay, never heard of that before, but Bitter End, Tennessee. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it really is at the very bitter end on the east side of the state there, so... Okay, I like this one. I will move here, and I will bring a kid with me. That's the name of the town no, I will no, move no, no, here? No, no, no. Booger Hole. Booger Hole. West Virginia. Oh, well, that says it all. I, You know, there are young boys growing up in that town that think that is just the coolest place that they could ever <laughs> so, live. So the high school, their mm-hmm. name, the, the mascot are the Boogers. Yes, okay, so I would think that there's a... Uh, a guy running around. Imagine what the mascot looks like. A <laughs> big booger. <laughs> yes. Uh, basically, he's a big nose with a booger hanging out. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's more scary than lions. Yeah. Oh, God. And then, of course, whenever there's a touchdown, he has to sneeze. Oh. Oh, yeah. Someone's got to run out with a giant tissue. Oh. oh, you know, kids in that town, especially the boys, are having such a good time with that name. Now, I bet you when they named it Booger Hole, they were not thinking what we were thinking. Well, they are now. Yeah. All righty. Boys high school basketball from over the weekend. First on Thursday, Laramie beat Kelly Walsh 58-43. Natrona down Evanston 51-43. Cheyenne East over Jackson 57-40. Cheyenne Central beat Star Valley 71-48. Burns adds Moorcroft in overtime 70-69. Pine Bluff's a winner, a loser to Wheatland 51-30. On Friday, Evanston beat uh, Evanston lost to Laramie 64-44. Kelly Walsh downed Cheyenne South 73-55. The Trona got by Green River 56-41. Cheyenne Central beat Pinedale 64-45 and also beat Riverton 53-48. Cheyenne East over Star Valley 61-46. Burns lost twice on Friday 47-41 to Newcastle and 55-54 to Arvada, Colorado. Douglas over Fine Bluff 71-28. Douglas, uh, excuse me, Glenrock lost twice on Friday 69-64 to St. Stephens and 49-43 to Wyoming Indian. The KC boys split their games on Friday losing to Grable 49 and beating Rocky Mountain 50-46. to On Saturday, the turnover Kelly Walsh in the Battle of the Casper teams, 46-36. Laramie defeated Green River 64-54. Cheyenne South lost to Evanston 66-47. Cheyenne Central beat Jackson 50-34. East with two wins on Saturday, 81-52 over Lander and 64-59 over Riverton. Southeast over Burns 66-40. Mitchell, Nebraska beat Pine Bluffs 49-37. Glenrock with two wins on Saturday, 51-42 over Rocky Mountain and 54-45 over Grable. Midwest down Rock River 43-27 and KC lost twice on Saturday, 61-48 to St. Stephens and 70-34 to Wyoming Indian. Men's Junior College Basketball, Casper College is 10-5 on the year after a 102-77 win over Dawson, Montana the last time out. The T-Birds will not play until after the first of the year. The LCCC men are 9-5 after a 75-67 victory over NJC their last time out. The Golden Eagles will be at number 3 Salt Lake Community College tonight. National Finals Rodeo moving along last night in Las Vegas with round number 4 in the Saddlebronk. Hillsdale native and Cheyenne East High School grab Brody Crest with an 86.5 that placed him 3rd in the round and earned $18,000 plus $325. Crest is 1st in the average, 7th in the world standings. Tanner Butner from Daniel, 2nd in the round in the Saddle Bronc with an 88, so he pocketed over 24 grand yesterday. He's 3rd in the average and 5th in the world standings. Over in the bareback, Buffalo native Cole Reiner out of the money with an 83. He is 3rd in the aggregate, 8th in the world standings. The 5th round of the NFR will be tonight from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. Boring Oregon. Boring Oregon. Yes. Oregon's not boring. Well, no, but that town but, is But the town anyway. is boring. Bug Tussle, Kentucky. Bug Tussle. Yes, okay. 
Burnout, Alabama. You want to go there and do a <laughs> well, burnout. Well, or you're you're getting... Yeah, well, you're yeah, kind of burned out, yeah. yeah. Now, center of the world, Ohio, they think they're the center of the world. I thought right the, the center of the world, not the center yeah. of the nation, center of the world. Uh, Chicken, Alaska. <laughs> okay. Is that uh, something you can get at McDonald's? I don't... You know something? That does sound like something you would order at a restaurant. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. Coming up on some uh, local business and news time. Let's wake up Wyoming. Weekend. 9.06 the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Hey, later this morning, I gotta I gotta remember to mention this as I get into the last hour of this program here. Later this morning, I'm in Casper, Wyoming. In fact, I'm doing this all this week in Casper. Every year at this time, the radio stations up there with Town Square Media put on an event called Stuff the Van. And it's where folks can drop by. Some people swing by with just a, an item or two. Some people come by with a whole cartload. Businesses come by with all sorts of stuff. And I saw yesterday some people show up with some kids' bikes with training wheels. Somebody else stopped by with just a bag with a couple of little things like socks, stuff like that. Needy families, in other words, kids of all ages. Some people walk up and ask, I don't know what to give. And we have a list for whatever age. We have a list. So the two Walmart locations in Casper, the east and west locations... Now, think about that for the rest of Wyoming. Yeah, Casper has two Walmarts. So does Cheyenne. <laughs> Big time. That's like major city stuff, right? So anyway, at those locations, you'll find us out front. Can't miss us. I'll be there from 11 till 3 today and every day this week all the way through Saturday. With some other people, Griner Ford is helping us out, some other business. Hot Seas keeping our little booth warm with some heaters. There's all sorts of uh, different businesses helping us out. And every single year... We collect like a truckload of stuff, not just toys, but things people need. So if you're in the area, if you're at the Walmart, don't, you don't have to just go when I'm there. We started at 6 this morning, as we did yesterday, and it'll wrap up at like 6 this evening, 6, 7 o'clock, I think, this evening, with somebody there from Town Square Media. My shift was from 11 until 3, we, all the way through Saturday. So if you want to stop by at any time with whatever you can do. And some people just pull up and hand us a couple of bucks. So, again, if you can do a little, do a lot, whichever the case is, we'd appreciate it. Okay, now, I picked up a book. I mentioned this earlier this morning. One of my favorite all-time broadcast heroes is John Stossel. John Stossel started as a consumer reporter. And over the years, he began to realize a lot of what he was reporting on was just garbage. The same old stuff you hear from other consumer reporters. And what was always interesting to me, I was, I'm younger than him. I think he's like 72 or 73 years old now. So I'm younger than that. But about the same time, year-wise, that I woke up and started to realize, hey, a lot of what we're being told isn't true. He was already on television as a consumer reporter and coming to the same conclusion. So now he's been on, uh, remember the TV show 2020? He's been on, he had his own show on Fox for a while. Now he's got a YouTube channel because he's semi-retired. This book came out quite some years ago, back when he was on 2020. And I found it when I was in New Jersey. 
What did I say New Jersey? Wait, what did I say New Jersey for? I was in Florida. Where the hell New Jersey came from? I was in Florida, and I was heading home. I needed something to read on the plane. And I found this book for, I'm sorry, John. Now, I didn't pay full price. You don't get the royalties. I paid $1.50 for it. It's this book called Miss Lies and Downright Stupidity. Now, the beginning of this book, it talks about how he was a consumer reporter, but then starts to talk about the clueless media. He writes, and it goes myth, truth, all the way through, myth, truth, myth. The media will check it out and give you the objective truth. Well, actually, the truth is many in the media are scientifically clueless and will scare you to death. Now, this goes back to what I had been saying, and I've said to you guys for many years. The media does not report truth. They report controversy and hype. And when they cannot find it, they will create it. So Stossel, those years ago, when he first wrote this book, said, we don't do it on purpose. We just want to give you the facts. But the people who bring you the story, the ideas, are alarmed. And then when they get alarmed, they're eager to rush the news to you. We know that the scarier and more bizarre the story, the more likely it is that our bosses will give us more airtime and more front page slots and so on. The scary story, justified or not, will get higher ratings and sell more papers. Back then they sold newspapers, right? And get a better time slot on television. Fear sells. That's the reason for the insider's joke about newscasts. If it bleeds, it leads. Also, raising alarms makes us feel important. If we bother to keep digging into what we found a, a bit better with scientific experts... Rather than the ones who send out press releases, we'd get the real story. But reporters rarely know whom to call. And if we did, many real scientists, well, they don't want to be bothered. Now, I've talked about this before. Many real scientists out there are not interested in actually getting on with the news media and talking about the stories that in the way that you really want to hear them. Because they know that if they say what they really know, then they're not going to get papers published. They won't get that cushy job at the university. You know, I've heard many people say, well, just follow the money when it comes to science. Just follow the money. And that's exactly right. Follow the money because uh, if a scientist says something that's not with the current narrative, they know it can cost them their jobs. Now, I'm not saying all scientists are this way, but there are those who are. So many times, John Stossel reached out to experts, but they would only talk to him if they could remain anonymous. So you get the idea of where your news comes from. That's the way he starts this book. And there's many other... I mean, I didn't even read that entire chapter to you. I just read a piece of it to you. But there's many other in the first chapter of Clueless Media. In fact, let me grab just one more here. Pesticide residue causes food cancer and other diseases. That's the myth. And then he goes into the reality and the truth about how pesticides are actually harmless to us. And uh, the, it's the dosage that mounts. It really is the dosage that matters most of all. If you grab a tomato and as long as you rinse it and eat it, you're good. Because the pesticide residue on there is such a trace amount, your body doesn't know. And he goes into that in there. But, you know, of course, you can't say that to the media because the media has to report the hype of it. That's why some, so many people are afraid of pesticides 
because they only hear the bad news of it. It's very difficult to get the good news out of it. Now, for, for those who heard it this morning, I'm going to play it again. But there's another, this is from John Stossel's current YouTube page, where once again, here comes a so-called study. And this study had to do with loneliness. Somebody came out with a study that we're lonelier than ever before. You are so lonely. It's an epidemic, a crisis of loneliness. Now, for those who haven't heard this yet, think about it. If they're going to say we are lonely, more lonely than ever before, it's it's an epidemic, it's a crisis. Who do you think they'll blame? What do you think they'll blame? Think about that. Are you lonely? You must be because headline after headline says loneliness is everywhere in America. There's a mass loneliness crisis going on. Loneliness is an epidemic. We are absolutely in a loneliness crisis. As usual, the media are just wrong. Loneliness isn't getting worse. Nothing to back it up? Well, yes, there is an epidemic of headlines uh, saying that there is a loneliness epidemic. But there is no empirical data that actually shows that we feel more lonely now than we did in the past. In his new book, Johan Norberg explains that when researchers compare people with previous generations at the same stage of life, they don't find evidence of increased loneliness. Which is interesting, because I would also think that it's less of a stigma to tell people that you feel lonely nowadays. But more people live alone now. I would think that would make more people lonelier. But the interesting thing, and this is what they never tell you in the reports, is that people who live alone and spend less time with surrounded by other people are also more happy with those relationships. But in places like India and China, where you, I would think they'd have big families to count on, many more say they have no one. It's the complete opposite of what people expect. In traditional and less market-based societies, between 20 to 30 to 40 percent say they have no one to count on if they need help. Whereas in the richest and most individualist societies, it's in the low single digits. It's the opposite of what the scaremongers tell us. So now that report goes on. It's a whole YouTube video that goes on quite a bit after that. But you get the idea. A study came out and said something, and it sounded shocking, so all news organizations had to go running with it, because, and, but nobody bothered to look in to see if it was true or not. They just ran with it because some study said so, and it makes for great headlines. It's bleeding, so it's leading. Right? So I asked you to think for just a minute, what or who or, or would they blame for a loneliness epidemic? Capitalism. Yeah, if you, if you read the so-called study, it's all the fault of capitalism. Just another way to bash capitalism. But there's not a single news reporter other than John Stossel who bothered to stop and ask, is this even true? No, they just reported it to you because it sounds shocking, doesn't it? 916, wait. Download we'll do one of these wake up idiotic gun buyback Listen programs. anywhere and chat because live once again, with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Is. And I've pointed out over the years all the flaws with gun buyback programs. Well, there's another flaw that I knew about, I might have mentioned, but I looked at this and I thought, well, of course. But hang on, first your favorite song. I like guns, I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. Therefore, say, well, I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. 
Okay, let's take a look at uh, activists at uh, a buyback program where the, the activists are just a gas because it actually started an underground economy. Now, this often happens. One of my favorite examples. I'm proud of this one because I came up with it myself, and it's true. If you go to New York City, take a look at cigarettes, the most heavily taxed cigarettes in the country, the most heavily regulated cigarettes in the country, are in New York City, right? So you can imagine how expensive and hard to get they are. And yet, if you would like to buy cigarettes that are completely untaxed and unregulated, go to New York City. Because the underground economy is booming, right? All right, so gun control activists, the story says, they were aghast and dismayed to learn that the uh, Blue City gun back culture is actually feeding secondary arms sales. New York Times focused on a recent gun buyback in Flint, Michigan, noting that Gunbuster Missouri Company was contracted to handle the weapons, which were surrendered. According to the New York Times, Gunbusters has taken in more than 200,000 guns over the past decade. Now, I know a lot of you out there who are gun collectors are salivating over the idea of owning... 200,000 guns. You would be like Neo in the Matrix when yeah yeah when, when he's inside the program and all those guns arrive just shooting that remember that scene? Okay. So uh see about 950 police agencies from around the country, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, St. Louis, Hartford, Vermont, places like that all participated in such programs. However, um Gunbuster does not necessarily destroy the firearm, which handed over at the, the buybacks. Rather, it often destroys the part on which the serial number is located, then sells the remaining gun parts on the market. See, those of you who use guns often know that occasionally you're going to need a replacement part. Something's going to wear down, something's going to break, you're going to need a replacement part. And that's what they were doing. As a result, Gunbusters and its five licensed cross-the-country dealers had a monthly average of about $90,000 a week in combined online sales for hundreds of disassembled gun parts, which were bought through these gun buyback programs. Now, in many cases, when, when a gun buyback happens, they don't often, people don't show up with the nice, new, shiny, whatever they bought. That's their prize gun. They're not doing that. No, they dig back into the closet or go up into the attic and find some old beaten up piece of garbage gun that they, is it still there? I forgot where I put it. That thing, that old piece of junk. But that old piece of junk can hold parts that a gun collector or someone who just has an old gun. I wish I could get a hold of such and such a part to make my gun active again. Well, now there it is because it was just purchased through the gun buyback program. So upon learning of the way buyback feeds the burgeoning secondary gun market, Detroit's Reverend Chris Yaw says he was aghast and appalled. He added, it tells me that our society is set up really well for buying and selling guns, but it's not very well set up for disposing of them. Well, yeah, because people don't want to dispose of them. That would be why. But, okay. So, I, now I've thought about gun markets before. Like it, 
like in Chicago, for example, take a look at Chicago with uh, very strict gun uh, rules, and the underground market is booming. But have you ever thought about the buyback market when it came to gun parts? See, I hadn't really, I wondered about that, but I had never really thought about that until I read that article and realized, oh, there would be a lot of parts, wouldn't there? I mean, a lot of, I've seen gun buyback programs where someone shows up with some old rifle that goes way back and probably doesn't work anymore. It might look great if you cleaned it up and put it on display somewhere, but it really doesn't work anymore. So what can you do with it? So you sell it to the gun buyback program for a few bucks. I mean, why not? The gun doesn't work anymore. So go ahead. That's usually things like that is what they usually get at gun buyback programs. So for it to be disassembled and the working parts sold to people who would like to have those working parts so they can get their guns working again. That means because of gun, this is the beauty of it here, because of gun buyback programs, a lot of old guns where people couldn't find parts and so the gun was useless, those guns are now working again. So the gun buyback people are looking at this going, you got to be kidding me. They really thought this was going to work. They were so proud of their program. I think it was in Denver a few years back. I don't think Denver's the only place that did it. But there were a few cities where uh, people found out how much the government was going to give citizens per gun. So they set up some uh, little booths ahead of time. So if you're driving to the buyback area, the government buyback area... They would find a booth set up on the street somewhere where they'll buy back your gun for even more than the government was going to give you. Oh, that really made the buyback people mad. Coming up on 930, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it again. 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Weekend. Got something to say? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. Nine thirty-six. the time. Okay, so I just got done telling you guys a gun story and then I was going to move on to something else, but this just popped up in the news. I mean, moments ago, so Fox News headline, NRA, National Rifle Association, torches Biden administration for changing rules for gun buyers and sellers. Really? Okay, well, here's what it says. National Rifle Association lambasted a proposal from the ATF that gun rights groups could call for unjustifyingly criminalizing Americans for selling a firearm and consequently create a serious, serious confusion for legal gun owners who engage in firearm transactions. Quote, the Biden ATF proposal. Oh, I love this. Um, <clears throat> ATF 2022R-17. Okay. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms. The year they probably started writing this was 2022. R-17. Okay. I guess I got to name it something. It's just another attempt to demolish our Second Amendment rights while potentially, well, with the potential to unjustly criminalize everyday Americans for engaging in lawful firearm transactions. 
The rule, it says, blatantly disregards the recent NRA-backed ruling on the Second Amendment. It also creates serious confusion among lawful gun owners who buy and sell uh, firearms legally for various purposes, collecting self-defense, stuff like that. That was the reaction of the ATF proposal, otherwise known as definition of engaging in businesses uh, as a dealer of firearms. I'd rather go back to the number name, which would amend the agency's regulations and incorporate provisions for Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, a gun control law signed by by President Biden back in 2022. So the story says the proposal would expand the definition of what a dealer is to anyone who sells or offers for sale a firearm and also represents to potential buyers or otherwise demonstrates a willingness and ability to purchase and sell additional firearms. The proposal would also incorporate the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act definition of earning a profit from gun sales, meaning a dealer would include individuals who sell guns and other things from it for profit, such as personal property or services offered, not just cash. <clears throat> so I guess I'm going to go just toss this out. Services offered. Uh, I need my gun clean. You decide you're gonna, you, you'll do that. Something I always drives me nuts. Something is suddenly not okay to do when you earn a profit at it. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Okay, so I have a, a partnership in an airplane, right? Uh, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to fly up to Cody. And you want to come with me. That's okay. We can do that. What if you turned to me and said, hey, Glenn, uh, I need to get to Cody. Would you be willing to take me? And I take you at my own expense. That's okay. You're allowed to pay half the gasoline in my airplane to fly us up there. Okay, we can split the cost. But the moment I I pay more, or you pay more than half the gasoline, that's illegal. In other words, they're going to try to do anything to discourage me from making a profit at this. Because the moment a profit is made, all of a sudden it's a bad thing. I can't do it for hire. That's illegal because the profit is involved. See, you made a profit, therefore that's bad. All right, so the proposal would subsequently, the story says, spark confusion among gun owners about which firearm transactions would require federal firearms license, according to the NRA. If the Biden administration, they say, were truly committed to combating crime, they would focus on enforcing existing laws and reform their soft-on-crime policies, targeting actual criminals instead of law-abiding Americans. I agree with the NRA on that. The following House and Senate approval bills signed the Bipartisan Safers Community Actions Law June of 2022, which was championed by gun control activists as the most significant firearm legislation in nearly 30 years. The law incentivizes states to implement red flag laws and expand background checks for 18 to 21 years old. All right, so... The ATF proposal was introduced in August of this year. And this is once again, they have the 90-day comment period and so on. This is once again the bureaucracy taking an existing law and adding law to it. They're writing law. The NRA was one of more than 330,000 groups and individuals who posted public comments about the proposed rule. So, quote, many NRA members buy and sell firearms 
for various lawful purposes. Collectors buy and sell to enhance their collections. Competitive shooters buy and sell in search of a competitive advantage. And all exercise the right to buy and sell firearms. So, I know you don't need an example, but let's have some fun with an example. So, let's say um, we're both competitive rifle shooters. And I've reached the point where, okay, you know, I've won my trophies and so on. And uh, my eyesight's going a little bit, you know, so I'm not going to be competing in this anymore. But I have this really nice gun, which has helped me win all of those awards. Now, you are still competing, and you would like to buy my rifle. Okay. Well, I, I offer you, I, I would like uh, to sell it for this much. You make a counteroffer. We negotiate. I sell you my rifle. Now, you're going to take that rifle and do what I did. You're going to go to competition with it, see if you can win. But they would have to make me a licensed gun dealer in order to allow me to do that because I would be making a profit at it for one thing. Profit's evil. Profit's an evil thing, you know. But for other reasons, I'm selling you. There's a lot of reasons that they put in there that they don't think about why people necessarily buy or sell guns. What if I just had some old gun that goes way back in my collection and you decide you would like to add it to your collection, and I look at you and say, not for sale. Oh, yeah? Not for sale, Glenn? Would you take this much money for it? On second thought, maybe it is for sale. They would make that illegal as a sale unless you just want to put it in your collection. You're not going to do anything with it. Just It's for show. But I would have to be a dealer, you see. 943, wake up time, so anywhere weird names for Santa. Well, that would be good. Chris Kringle is weird. Yeah, that is. I don't understand that radio. Yeah, so, okay. This is that kids give their stuffed animals. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> squirt. Squirt. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Yeah. Poochie. Uh, Mr. Gi- yeah, Poochie's weird. Mr. Gibbs, I understand. <laughs> night, night. I guess because the kid goes night night with the thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why would he name the the, the stuffed animal pork chop? Because of that stuff with, with the puppet, Sh- oh. Sh- Sherry Lewis. What, what was that? I'd have no idea. Oh, that oh, you're thinking lamb chop. Lamb chop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh. So pork chop. There's lamb chop and pork chop. Oh, lamb okay. chop. Yeah. Uh, now this one I am greatly in favor of, Mister Fluffy Muffins. Mister Fluffy Muffins. See, uh, Eddie it- the Teddy. Or just Ed. Yeah. Now, why a kid would name his stuffed animal Ding Dong, I don't know, or Butterface, I mean, that's just insulting. You're hurting the stuffed animal's feelings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay, now this one, if I were the stuffed animal, I'd be very afraid of this kid. The teddy bear is named Shreddy the Teddy. Shreddy the Teddy. Mm, Yeah, that's... Likes to shred. Yeah. Okay. Wants to shred the teddy. Harry Berry... Okay. Mm, okay. Winky's a good one. Winky, I like Winky. Winky yeah. Or Gidget or Chubby. Mm-hmm. Lazy Bear. Lazy, okay. yeah. I like that. Now, this one, Mrs. Ticklesworth. <laughs> like Mrs. Buttersworth? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Now, this one I understand when you think about today's uh, media day and age. Barry Potter. Uh, no? no? Like Harry. Okay, Mr. Fluffles. Mr. Fluffles. Okay, yes. now I understand Cocoa Puff, like the cereal. Yeah. Okay. Are the moms giving this the name? No, no. These are the kids giving the names. Oh, okay. okay. Barely Chubs. (laughs) 
Sergeant Teddy. Sergeant, <laughs> or just Sarge. Yes. Now, I understand also a kid naming his stuffed animal Rar. That's the name of the Tic Tac. Uh, see, Bowser. Oh, remember Bowser? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ruff, 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 ruff. Yeah, yeah. And then you've heard of Beethoven. This is yeah. Beethoven. Beethoven. Yeah, I saw. I don't know where the kid got <laughs> Beethoven fun, but I'll have to give the kid a lot of credit for that. So there you go. All righty. The National Finals Rodeo will move along tonight in Las Vegas with round number five and last night's fourth round in the Saddle Bronc, Hillsdale Native, and Cheyenne East Grab Brody Crest with an 86.5. That put him third in the round. He earned over 18 grand last night. Crest is first in the average and seventh in the world standings. Tanner Butner from Daniel second in the in the round in the Saddle Bronc with an 88, so he won over 20. He's third in the average and fifth in the world standings. Over in the bareback, Buffalo native Cole Reiner with an 83. He was out of the money, but he was third in the aggregate as of right now and eighth in the world standings. And that fifth round of the NFR will be tonight from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. Boys, high school basketball. And there was plenty over the weekend to start the season. Back on Thursday, Laramie over Kelly Walls, 58-43. The Trona down Evanston, 51-43. Cheyenne East beat Jackson, 57-40. Cheyenne Central over Star Valley, 71-48. Burns edged Moorcroft in overtime, 70-69. And Pine Bluffs lost to Wheatland, 51-30. On Friday, Laramie over Evanston, 64-44. Kelly Walsh, a winner over Cheyenne South, 73-55. The Trona got by Green River, 56-41. Cheyenne Central over Pinedale, 64-45. And Central also beat River. 53-48. Cheyenne East beat Star Valley 61-46. Burns lost twice on Friday. 47-41 the Newcastle and 55-54 to Arvada, Colorado. Douglas a winner over Pine Bluff 71-28. Glenrock lost twice on Friday. 69-64 to St. Stephen's and 49-43 to Wyoming Indian. The KC boys split their games on Friday, losing to Grable 49-35 and beating Rocky Mountain 50-46. On Saturday, the Trona beat Kelly Walsh in the Battle of Casper on the boys' side 46-36. Larry he got by Green River 64-54, Evanston over South 66-47, Cheyenne Central beat Jackson 50-34, Cheyenne East with a pair of wins on Saturday, 51-82-52 uh, over Lander, and 64-59 over Riverton. Southeast beat Burns 66-40, Mitchell, Nebraska over Pine Bluffs 49-37, Glenrock with two wins on Saturday, 51-42 over Rocky Mountain, and 54-45 over Grable, Midwest down Rock River 43-27, KC lost twice, 61-48 to St. Stephen's and 70-34 to Wyoming Indian. Men's Jugo Basketball Casper College is 10-5 on the year after a 102-77 victory over Dawson Montana the last time out. T-Bridge won't play until after the first of the year. The El Triple C men are 9-5 after a 75-67 victory over NJC their last time out. The Golden Eagles will be at number 3 Salt Lake Community College this evening. And that's it for So this rodeo of which you speak of. The I National Finals Rodeo is huge. I assume that huge. Wyoming's making a real good show yes. in all this. Between Brody Crest and Tanner Butner from Daniel, which yes. is over by Pinedale and Big and, and uh, Big Piney. Matter of fact, you went to both high schools. Oh, okay. And then with uh, the, the, the the other the other guy, Cole Reiner, he went to uh, Buffalo High School. Oh, was nice. an outstanding high school wrestler there. You know, Wyoming has that uh, cowboy breakfast for the people that are yeah. involved in the rodeo. They had over four hundred people. Wow, wow. All right, four hundred. We'll do it again tomorrow. Yep. Let's wake up, Wyoming.